Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dick, and I'm an alcoholic. Everybody, but for the grace of God and the actions of AA and sponsorship, I've been sober since September the 15th, 1965, and I'm very pleased about that. Uh, I am, uh, this evening, what I want to do is to, very briefly, I'm going to talk about how I sponsor. And that doesn't mean it's supposed to be how you're supposed to sponsor or how anybody else sponsors, nor is it all of how I do it, nor is it exactly how I do it, nor is it anything. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk for a while and hope that you're able to pick up some ideas that perhaps might work for you and might work uh, with the people that you sponsor, and perhaps you may not. Uh, this evening has been a, a tremendous example of group conscience at work. Uh, it came out to nothing, and uh, but that's okay because it started with nothing. So you know, and it ended up that way. And uh, I think groups that are run by good kings still work the best. You know, where they have an unknown steering committee like Christie. Christie doesn't know it, but she's been the steering committee for years. We, what we do is we program the meeting to satisfy her needs. And it, it's worked perfectly. How long have you been sober, Christy? How long? Hey. Yeah. Now, anybody that doesn't have almost 10 years can't really gripe about it because it's worked for Christy. And that's the way that is. So, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody ever knew it was Christy that we were trying to stay sober, keep sober. Sponsorship falls in all kinds of categories. Uh... Sponsorship falls in the category of, of one person talking to and helping on an ongoing basis another person. And that's what I'm really going to direct my remarks to this evening, rather than the other kinds of sponsorship, which, you, which I may be at the moment sponsoring all of you in the room, if you will, because you're hearing what I have to say, and you can choose to do it or not do it, as you will. Uh, I may be, uh, you may be sponsoring someone because you're sitting on the steering committee of the group. You're, you're sponsoring the group. Uh, you may be contributing in sponsorship, uh, by making coffee. It's just all kinds of ways. But, uh, any way that you can think of, in any obtuse way or whatever. But I'm talking about the ongoing responsibility that comes to pass after a 12-step call is made. And uh, I say after a 12-step call is made, and I mean by that, you know, we can't sponsor anyone who's drinking. We do 12-step work on people who are drinking. If someone stops drinking, that is their entrance into Alcoholics Anonymous, and then they're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so from that point, we can be their sponsor. Now, if they drink, we cease being their sponsor because they abdicate their membership in Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, they may return to meetings. They can return drinking, as far as that's concerned. But we really can't sponsor someone when they're drinking. And that doesn't mean that we can't be friendly to them. That doesn't mean we can't talk to them. That mean, doesn't mean we can't help them, because those are all of the things that we do in 12-step work and making a 12-step call. However, on a continued basis of being a sponsor and expecting someone to take some sort of direction or some sort of suggested path of recovery, some action, you know, the only thing that we can tell somebody who's drinking is, don't take the first drink. That's all we can say. I mean, they're beyond that, they can't hear anything anyway. 
So all you can say is just don't take the first drink. And if you're willing not to take the first drink, then we're willing to help you further in other areas of, other areas of sobriety. Because there is something beyond not drinking. If there wasn't something beyond not drinking, I wouldn't be here nearly 23 years sober. Because Alcoholics Anonymous would have held nothing for me. Nothing for me if it hadn't been something beyond not drinking. And I had to have that guidance and that help to get what was beyond that not drinking. So, I believe that as far as sponsorship is concerned, and if someone asks me to sponsor them, I do not solicit to sponsor people. I have done it in the past, and I just don't do it anymore because I'm sponsor enough people. And I generally, uh, I take on one new person a year, and uh, uh, I will not take on any more than that because it's not fair to a new man considering the number of other responsibilities that I have. But I will take on one new person a year. Uh, I only sponsor men. I don't sponsor women. And the reason why I only sponsor men is because the nature of the relationship uh, is so confidential and you can become involved that uh, if I were to sponsor women, perhaps what would end up happening is I would be creating new material for a new fourth step. And uh, I've been told that there's a slip under every skirt, and I kind of believe that for me. Maybe not for you, but I believe that's for me, and so that's what I do. And I suggest to the people that I sponsor that they follow that same direction. That doesn't mean that I'm unwilling to help a gal. That doesn't mean that I'm not unwilling. But what I do is I don't place myself in a private position with any female except my wife. In other words, I will be glad to speak to them publicly. I'll be glad to speak to them in the presence of other people. And that solves a problem for me uh, in that it doesn't put me in a position where I'm uh, jeopardizing my own life because my life is important to me. <clears throat> okay. Where are we? Because she'd kill me? Oh, okay. Maybe someone day, someday I'll be benign enough that I'll be able to sponsor women, but Peggy says no. I think that the basic thing that I ask, and I ask this of each person that I sponsor, that he be willing to take every, and I say, you've got to be willing to do one thing and one thing alone. And they look at me and they say, oh boy, this is going to be easy. And I say, what I want you to do is to agree to take every principled action that I ask you to take. Every principled action that I ask you to take. Now, frankly, that's no big deal. If it's principled, it's going to work, It's going to, and it's going to eventually feel good. It may not feel good initially, but eventually it'll feel good. And so most people are willing to go along with that. That's one. Two, there is no negotiation in sponsorship. And that is to say, if, if you ask me a, uh, for direction and help and action, and I give it to you, I'm not going to argue with you about it. You're either going to take it, or you can find a new sponsor. And I don't really, you know, I frankly, I don't care which one. It really doesn't make any difference. Because if you're not going to be willing to take the help that I offer on the terms that I offer it to you, then you can be your own brain surgeon. And I mean that literally. If you came, if you went to a doctor because you had a brain tumor 
and he suggested you go to a brain surgeon, you'd go to a brain surgeon, and the brain surgeon would say, well, this is, this is a process we're going to go through, and you would, you would say, now, wait a minute, doctor. I think that you're going to make that cut into the cranium one centimeter to the left too much. I think it should be a little more to the right, or it should be a little more vertical and horizontal. You know, I don't think that you're going to tell a brain surgeon how to operate on your brain, nor do I think that a new person should be telling their sponsor how they are going to recover. If they knew how to recover, then they wouldn't be asking for help in the first place. And it's really that simple. We don't expect new people to come into Alcoholics Anonymous and prescribe their own recovery. We ask people who are new to come into Alcoholics Anonymous to participate in their own recovery. And there's an entirely, there's a tremendous difference. We don't really think that a new person in Alcoholics Anonymous is capable of doing a lot of things. Now, we don't think that from the beginning. We assume that they're not from the beginning. Otherwise, why are they in Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, we've got to assume that they're not very principled in the beginning or else they wouldn't be in AA. We've got to make that assumption. Now, we don't tell them that, but we just say, we just presume that they're not very principled. And so what we do is we begin at the beginning and try to suggest principles, principled actions that they can take which will make them feel better about themselves. The whole program of Alcoholics Anonymous is designed to make people feel better about themselves. And I say designed, it's not psychologically designed. It is spiritually or divinely inspired program that brings about the change where we end up as individuals feeling better about ourselves having increased our humility and increased our self-esteem at the same time that sounds like a contradiction but it's really not an increase in humility and an increase in personal self-worth or self-esteem at the same time and that's what the actions of AA bring about they increase humility and increase personal self-worth, what you're to feel like. So I think the sponsor has to be willing on an ongoing basis to uh, receive phone calls uh, at any time. You know, frankly, I, when a guy is new, I ask him to call me every day for six weeks. And uh, I suggest that they call me in hours that are convenient for me, not in hours that are convenient for them. Uh, at times that are convenient for me because uh, I'm the one that they're asking for help, so they should seek my convenience and try to fit themselves into my convenience rather than fit themselves into their convenience. I think a new person has been doing things to their convenience for a long time, and I think it's about time that they take other people into consideration. I ask that they call before 11 o'clock at night if they can. And I say, if they can, uh, I think that everyone can make a phone call in daylight hours or uh, in early evening hours, and I think it would be appropriate to ask that. But I tell them, you may call at any time when you consider it an emergency. When you consider it so important that it can't wait till tomorrow morning, I don't care if you call me 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't make any difference to me. There are some people who do that and hang up now. I think they're calling Peggy, really. <laughs> but, uh, you know, certainly they wouldn't hang up on, on me. But uh, fortunately, we've only had two of those 
with any regularity in the past week. That's kind of nice for a change. One of the things that I try to tell the new guys is sobriety comes first. The first thing is you just don't take that first drink. And I tell them how to go about not taking that first drink by having AA literature with them, having it available, by going to a meeting every day for the first six weeks, every day or every evening, uh, preferably to go to the, if they can, if their working hours permit. Uh, many of them say, well, now, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm married. Family, I want to suggest to you, I've never seen a newcomer yet whose wife and family really want him to be at home at night. You know, they're, they're kind of used to him being away for the first place and uh, kind of running things, and we don't want to attack them running things right away. So we allow them to go ahead and continue to run things for a while and uh, also relieve them of the anxiety that having the drunk sobering up even at home for the first few weeks. And that allows the drunk, by the way, who doesn't want to be home anyway, a good place to go, and it serves both parties well. It relieves the family because they know that he is doing something to help himself, and it relieves him because he knows he is doing something to help himself. So I don't really, uh, I don't have any, any feelings about negotiating that one way or another. I, uh, I request that they attend a meeting where I am, if they live in the area, that they regularly attend meetings where I go to meetings. I suggest to them the meetings that I, will feel, that I feel will be the best for them, where they can more r have a better chance of running into you <laughs> and other newcomers. Uh, but, you know, with the idea, with the basic idea that if they see the same people every night, eventually they're going to get the idea that you can stay sober because they're going to see other people staying sober. And they see the same people, they get to be known and they get to be friendly and they get to know and respect the people that are there. And eventually maybe they'll want to be like they are. Maybe they'll want to be like you are. Maybe they'll want to be sober. Maybe they'll want to participate in other things aside from simply going plotting their way through AA meetings for the rest of their life. <clears throat> I, uh, I frankly believe my, my sponsor uh, is a very strong advocate of you don't drink and you don't use no matter what, even if your ass falls off. You know, you call your sponsor first uh, and try to see what can go from there, and it doesn't make any difference what time that is. If it gets to the point where taking a drink is an option, you better call your sponsor. And if you're new, taking a drink is an option every day. So call your sponsor every day. Simple enough. I, uh, I aid the guys that I sponsor to go through the things that they're afraid of. I suggest to them principled actions that they can take where they will not be harmed that they can take and walk through and eventually walk through the things that they're afraid of. Eventually walk through the things that they're afraid of. I suggest everybody comes to AA with a, with a peck bag full of problems. I suggest that we take care of them one at a time. You know, first we take care of the drinking problem and we put that behind us. We just don't take a drink a day at a time. Second, we take care of the next problem. Like, 
being self-supporting, like getting a job. That's the first criteria. I feel that the people that I sponsor would feel better about themselves if they work and if they're earning money. And I, I'm almost sure that all the guys that I sponsor are working right now, which doesn't always work that way. I, uh, <clears throat> I ask them to select a home group, and a home group is a meeting, a meeting, a night, where you are going to be there unless you're dead. Now, you could be in bed with a temperature of 102 plus. If it's 102 going down, then you can go to your home group meeting. But I mean, I really feel that I have to be very ill in order not to go to my home group. I have to be very ill not to go to my home group. I have, you know, Peggy has to be calling John A. Gentleman on the phone and saying, well, what, what are the price of the caskets, you know, before I won't go to a meeting on my home group. And I'll tell you why. One, it's one meeting a week where you can be seen and people know you're there, and if you're not there, ask why. There are certain people that I know who are who gradually pull out of AA, and they just don't show up. I can think of one person, one person comes to my mind very simply and very easily, and I was thinking that, you know, that person wasn't there at the meeting last Friday when I was there, and normally they are. And I didn't know where they were. Nobody else knew where they were. Nobody else asked where they were either. Nobody cared. Because erratic in attending meetings. It gets so people really don't care whether they're there or they're not there. Regular attendance at meetings lets people know that you care, and then they care. We've got to care enough about ourselves to protect our own sobriety and make some little effort to do so before other people are going to care. And the more effort we make, the more we care about our sobriety, then the more other people are going to care about our sobriety also and care for us. When we stop caring about our sobriety, then other people start caring less about our sobriety. And that's the way that is. I um, I suggest that uh, because people don't feel very good when they come to a, come to uh, AA. Uh, when I say they don't feel very good, they don't feel very good about going to AA. They don't feel very good about home. They don't feel good about work. They don't feel good about play. They don't feel good about anything. And so what I do is I ask them to please act better than they feel. Act better than they feel. Just to move up, stand up a little taller than you would. Don't droop. Don't feel. Don't let people know how really sorry you feel for yourself. I mean, that's the object. You know, take it a little bit so that they'll think that you're a man. I mean, you may not be like be a man, but God damn it, act like a man. You know, for the first time in your life. Try to act like a man under all the circumstances that you can act like a man. And it's really kind of simple when you think about it. And if I was saying it to a woman, it would be the same thing. I damn it, if you can't be a woman, act like a woman. Quit acting like some kind of a wimp. And women are wimps just like men are wimps. Be it what you are. Be a man. Be a woman. Whatever you are. Be something. 
even if you don't feel like it. Even if you don't feel like it. It really doesn't make any difference whether you feel like it or not because, frankly, there isn't anybody who really cares how you feel. And, you know, I know that that's kind of a sad thing <clears throat> because we all wanted somebody to care how we felt. But I tell you, nobody really cares. My sponsor doesn't give a damn how I feel about anything. He really doesn't. He cares about the actions I take. He doesn't care how I feel because he knows, just like I know, with the guys that I sponsor, they can feel one way today and somebody will come around and open a window and they'll change their feelings. They'll change their whole attitude. So, well, I don't want to do that. You know, just because the window was open, just because a new whack of air came in, or a pretty girl walked by, or whatever it was. Oh, well, I didn't know you wanted me to do that. No, that makes sense to me, whatever it is. So feelings change, and they change. So there's nothing in the world so horrible that a good night's sleep won't make it a lot better. You ever know that? A good night's, I mean, God, I'm going to leave her. Can't stand that bitch anymore. Uh, you know, there's just no sense in this. Just go to sleep. See what it feels like in the morning. See how you feel about it in the morning. You know, just keep your mouth shut. Act like a man. Good night, honey. Love you. Go to sleep. <laughs> Say a little prayer for lying. <laughs> you can get it over with. Go on to sleep. Wake up the next morning. You're going to feel differently. You're going to feel differently than you did the night before. And I'll guarantee it. And I'll guarantee you, you will feel more positive about what you believe the next morning. I try to suggest to the guys that I sponsor not to get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Not because they're bad things, but because they're mood alters. They alter your mood. Most of the guys that I sponsor are now overweight because of they'll never get 200. I know my sponsor taught me well, but really, if you get hungry, if I when I get hungry, it's like I think <coughs> what I want to do is I want to kill. I mean, I just want to kill. I mean, it's not nothing else, no big deal. I just want to kill. I just get this feeling in my in my stomach that I ought to kill somebody because they haven't provided for me because I need it now. You know, it's the same sort of a feeling that you get inside when you needed it, when you wanted to take a drink, when you had that compulsion to drink. It's the same sort of feeling, physical feeling. So eat something. If your meal isn't ready, Eat a piece of cheese, eat an apple, eat something, eat a piece of celery, carrot. I don't care what you eat, eat something. Yeah. If you feel hungry, eat something. Yeah. If you're if you're new, we suggest you eat something sweet because it'll make that desire go away. If you're not diabetic. <clears throat> okay. Don't get too hungry. Don't get too angry. <coughs> Walk away from the situation. If things get tough, if things get rough, if you get to the point where you just can't stand it the way it is, there's a door. And you can walk out the same damn door that you came in. And you can say, this is getting to be too much. I'm too uncomfortable. And I feel a lot. I would like to leave. Thank you very much for having me and leave. Be polite. Be a man. Grit your teeth. Do it. And walk away before it gets to the point 
that you punch somebody's lights out or something else. So don't get too angry. Don't get too lonely. When we are by ourselves too much and not with our people enough, we start thinking. And the worst thing in the world that an alcoholic can do is to think. Because no matter what it is you're thinking about, it will end up that you think you're thinking negatively. I mean, I can project the finest things outcome in the world for me. I really can. I can think of all kinds of Reader's Digest sweepstakes. I don't think I think it's a fake, really. I really think I really doesn't I think it's somebody that just put these things in the mail to us and nothing ever happens. But you know. I may be wrong, but I, that's the way I think. I fill them in every time and mail them back. I still think it's a fake. I mean, I don't know anybody that's ever won anything. I don't even know anybody that's ever known anybody. That's ever, you know, it, it, you know. I just think it's a fake. But when I start sitting there thinking about it, and I think about winning it, and I think to myself, aha, uh-huh. and I bet you she would want some of it too. She would probably have some input into it. Well, what right does she have? Just because she lives with me to do something like that, for Christ's sake. You know, I think that I ought to make the decision on what's going to happen with that money, as if I had it. You know, then I end up hating her, because, you know, because in my mind she has destroyed my ability to make decisions. So it's better for me just to say, eh, I don't even think it exists when it happens. Next week, I suppose. I will consider it differently. I'll call my sponsor. I may not tell her about it for a day or two. No, that's not true. I wouldn't do that. Because that's not being a man. And that's not being polite. And it's not being practical. She would find out about it sooner or later. Even when I got to New Zealand, she'd say, Gee, I wonder how you got to New Zealand. So, at any way, it's not practical. It's not practical to be deceptive. It's not practical to deceive yourself. It's not practical to, to deceive others. And therefore, it's not practical to get too lonely, is it? Because we start thinking. And nothing ever turns out right. Even when you're in conversation. Have you ever thought out a complete conversation? You know, I said, he said, she said, they said, and so on. Take it one step further next time. And you know what you'll end up doing? You blow your brains out. That's all. If you just just take because it never ends up the way I think it's going to end up. Because I always think it's going to end up with them screwing me. That's the way I always figure. It never ends up that way. It never ends up that way at all. It usually ends up somewhere between that and something wonderful. About halfway in between. And so if I figure everything that's going to happen to me is going to be kind of halfway in between being bad and being good, my life is all right, isn't it? You know, it's kind of medium, but I can handle medium real good. And that's the way I think my life is going to be. I think it's going to be in the middle. I think it's going to kind of be medium. And I think occasionally it's going to tilt up or down, but mostly it's going to be in the middle. And I'll tell you, being in the middle is a far cry from where it was when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous. So I like being in the middle. I think that that's good. That's up from where I came in. By the way, that medium moves up, too, all the time. The longer you stay sober, the higher medium moves. 
because we set a little better goals for ourselves. We set a little better standards for ourselves. So let the new guy know, and I let the new guy know that he can do and be anything he wants to be within the realm of his desire to be that and his intellect. The only thing that will stop him from being what he wants to be is his intellect and his desire to be that thing. That's it. You can be anything that you want to be within the realm of your desire to be that thing and your intellect. Perhaps your talent in some cases. But most of all, learn to be polite. If a person asks me to sponsor me, sponsor them, the first thing I would say was, you know, if they came to me and said, Dick, would you sponsor me? I would say, please. And they'll say, they'll look at me and say, please what? Would you sponsor me, please? Oh, I think that please and thank you are very... I think I learned them when I was about that tall, and I think I forgot them when I was about this tall. And I think that we need to be reminded to say please and thank you. Sometimes we need to be reminded of all things polite and all things good and gentle because we've forgotten it. We've just forgotten what it's like because we've been so defensive for so many years. We don't really have to defend ourselves anymore. We have to put ourselves in a position where we need not defend ourselves. And if you live a principled life, then you need not defend yourself on anything ever again. Never. Boy, what a relief that was when my sponsor told me that. And I told the guys that I sponsored that. Be principled. Be principled about what you do, and you don't have to defend yourself. The only people who defend themselves are people that are ultimately, they discover, hopefully, they're wrong. The only time I ever defend myself is when I am wrong. I don't have to defend myself when I'm right. I know I'm right. I don't really care whether you know I'm right or not when I know I'm right. But when you think I'm wrong and I have to defend it, then I know I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. Because we don't have to defend things that are right. We don't have to defend principal things. We only have to defend unprincipled things, rationalizations and justifications and so on and so forth. So we try to do that. I, uh, AA is full of practical, polite solutions. I really feel that AA, if you want to put a test to it, is it, is it AA? And you can say, well, is it practical? Is it polite? Is it principle? You know, what effect is it going to have on other people? And I don't mind, I don't mean people being smart mouthed because I'm smart mouthed all the time. I got in a lot of trouble before I came to AA with that and some trouble since I've been in AA with that. But I don't mean that sort of thing because I think that that's done in jest more than anything else in AA. I think that the new guy has to set an example and become the best AA member that he can become. I've never seen a guy yet, especially a single guy who came into AA who didn't want a mate of some sort. Some of them wanted some strange mates. I mean, I don't have anything against orangutans for the guys that I sponsor as long as they're female orangutans. No. I mean, I, I really don't care. But the point, the point I'm really trying, the point I'm really trying to make is that people are lonely and there's a need 
to fill. And it's a very natural desire to have a mate. And I understand that. However, I strongly recommend that they stand back from trying to select one in their early days of sobriety because they'll find one that's just about as sick as they are. And it's sad but true. You know, I I got married when I was 11 months sober. She was sober a year and a half longer than I was. I don't know why she married me. She should have been better than she was, apparently. <clears throat> but we were just about the same sickness, and that's why that and that's how we ended up getting married. Of course, we've been married 22 years now, so we just managed to perpetuate that sickness a year at a time. <clears throat> and then we're going. We decided we'd make a stab at it for another year, stick around for another year, and see what's going to happen. At 23 years. Or at least I made the determination I was going to do that. I suppose she's going to stay around. I would like to think so. I'm not sure, though. But you know what? But you know what? You know, and, and, and this is something else that I had to learn, and I had to learn the hard way, and that Peggy had to learn, and she had to learn the hard way. You know, if Peggy were to leave tomorrow, I would survive. I would get along. I would get along just fine. And I would get along just fine because I have the people in AA. And if I were to leave tomorrow, she'd get along just fine for the same reason. She'd get along just fine. She would survive very well, thank you, because of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. We can survive. We can stay sober with a job, without a job, with a wife, without a wife. We can stay sober no matter what. All we have to do is just not take that first thing. Even Beth. Beth. Beth is coming to understand that. A day at a time. And that's the way we all learn. We learn a day at a time. And we become more and more convinced. And what we have to do is to encourage the newcomer to stick around long enough so that they can become more convinced. We have to encourage the newcomer. We have to care for them because they can't care for themselves until such a time as they can care for themselves, and then we ask that they care for themselves, and we'll care too. Be loyal. Be loyal. I was never loyal when I was drinking. That was one of the principles that I just didn't understand. I didn't, I mean, it's okay, it's okay to illustrate loyalty in front of other people. I mean, God, you've got to impress them with that. But behind their back, screw them, right? You know, hey, got to take care of me. Screw them. That's not being loyal. That's simply not being loyal. You know, I always kind of figured as long as I signed my paycheck on the back and my boss signed the paycheck on the front, he was the boss. When that reversed and I signed it on the front and they signed it on the back, then I'm the boss. But until such a time, they know better than I do. They know what they're willing to do better than I know what they're willing to do. And so I have to go along with what they're willing to do until I know better. I ask them to thank the speaker. No matter whether the speaker is good, bad, or indifferent, they like what's been said or they don't like what's been said. Just to thank every speaker at an AA meeting. And the reason for that is the speaker is doing the best they can with what they have. Simply, they're doing the best they can with what they have. And you can walk up there and thank them and walk away saying you did the best, best you could with what you had. Or you can say, 
thank you and keep on walking and say, I'm glad I can make a better talk than that. You can say anything that you want to in your own head, but you act polite and you thank every speaker. And if you thank everyone, you don't have to make a determination as to the contribution they're making to your life or your sobriety. You can wait and see what happens on that. They may make a larger contribution to your sobriety than you really know. They may be such a good example that eventually you want to follow them, or they may end up being such a bad example that you don't want to have anything to do with them, because you're going to judge. And I teach the fellows that I sponsor to judge, and I teach them that they're going to judge, and that they're going to be very judgmental. I ask them to watch the people around them and see what they do and see how they behave and see what they do in their life and follow the winners, follow those people who are doing and doing principal things and who are living comfortable lives. Watch them. And yet, when you watch them like that, you have to make a judgment as to whether they're cutting it or not, as to whether they're making it or not, as to whether they're living principal lives or not. You have to make those judgments. And you have to learn to be very judgmental. You don't have to express your judgment. You can just simply be judgmental and learn and understand and come to understand. That isn't to put someone down. That's to simply learn what you should and should not do. Um, I think that a member of Alcoholics Anonymous should go to a meeting on their anniversary on the and we talk about anniversaries in Alcoholics Anonymous. Those are the celebrations of one year or two or ten or twenty or whatever that happens to be. I think that they should do that to prove to themselves that they know where sobriety came from. To prove to themselves, not to prove to anybody else, not to impress anyone else, but simply to have the humility to do something, to acknowledge the fact that your life as it stands today, came from what you did in the beginning in Alcoholics Anonymous, just to simply acknowledge it. I ask that they not wear hats when they're in a building, because I don't think it's polite to wear a hat in a building. I don't think that it's polite, I've been taught since I was a kid, not to wear your hat in the presence of a woman, in the presence of a lady. And although you may not think that the women in AA are ladies, they're trying desperately to be ladies, and if we help them think they are, maybe they'll act better than they feel, and maybe they will become ladies. So we just kind of quietly do that, don't express any comment on whether they are or they aren't, just to very simply to understand that we can be polite. I ask them not to dress down to go to AA meetings, not to look worse than you did when you were working, but to at least look that good, if not better. And if you're dirty, change your clothes. Take a shower before you come. If you smell bad, take a shower. Use deodorant. You'd be amazed how many people you have to suggest when they're new to take a shower every day and to use deodorant and brush your teeth and get a haircut every 10 days to two weeks. It's amazing. It's really amazing. I suggest that uh, they learn to be self-supporting by putting something in the basket when it goes by. Eventually, when they have the money to do so, I recommend that at their home group, that one meeting that they're always going to attend, whether they're even if they're dead, uh, that they put $2 in there to make it as good a group as they can make it. And the other groups, they be self-supporting, do what they can in those other meetings.
uh, I ask that they participate in Alcoholics Anonymous, that they help, that they help set up chairs, they help pick up the ashtrays, they help put the tables away, they help newcomers, they pick somebody up and take them to a meeting, they take them home, whatever it happens to be. I ask that if they have the ability and the time to participate in the things that other AA members do, like playing golf or going on a picnic or going to a roundup or, or going to Ames to hear Clancy or whatever, you know, participate in life and participate at home and participate at work. Everywhere you go, try to make it a little bit better than it was when you got there. Try to leave it a little bit better. When you go to work, see what you can add to work. See how, what you can do to make it better there. When you're at home, try to see what you can do to make home better while you're, while you're there. Try to see what you can do to make it better. While you're playing, try to see what you can do to make play better. No matter where you are, try to add to life. Try to add to it instead of taking away from it. Don't try to see what you can get out of life, but try to see what you can give to life. We have been takers and takers and takers. And it's time to change and to be a giver. And the reason why we do that, when we give like that, it makes our surroundings better and we feel better and we feel more comfortable. If we're polite and kind and considerate of the people around us, they eventually will treat us politely and kindly and with consideration. It's amazing how they change when we change. I think that a person should have a daily contact with another AA member. I don't care whether they've been sober 10 days or 2 weeks or 2 years or 10 years or 20 years or whatever it happens to be. I think that they should have a daily contact with another AA member, one that is not related to them. A simple phone call. A simple phone call. Going to a meeting works that way too. But when you're new, it's best to call a couple of people a day and get to know them so that you set up your chain of life. Because what ends up happening is that we end up finding that Alcoholics Anonymous provides a benign place for us to be where we're not afraid or we're not going to be hurt. And we have to assure the newcomer of that. And he finds that out, and he or she finds that out by talking with other members, by getting to know them and see what they have gone through. I uh, try to let them know that alcoholics are not bad people who can't come to AA to get good, but they're sick people who come to AA to get well. And I try to assure them that they can get well, that they're good about themselves. I try to make that assurance to them because, in fact, it's true. We can feel good about ourselves. We can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. We never get well from alcoholism. We're never cured from alcoholism. But we can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, I'll tell you. And AA provided, through sponsorship, provided me the vehicle so that I don't feel hopeless and helpless and hapless anymore. I feel okay. And that's what I try to get the people that I sponsor to do. I don't lie to people that I sponsor. I don't knowingly deceive them in any fashion. 
and consequently I don't expect them to knowingly deceive me in any fashion. I expect them to deceive me, but not knowingly, because we're very used to lying, so, you know, it's, it's I expect to be lied to, but I write them down, and if they lie to me eight times, they get the cat of nine tails. Now, that isn't it at all. You know, it doesn't serve anyone to live a life of deceit. And I think that they learn the self, the confidence in another person, preferably their sponsor, if they're honest, and if their sponsor's honest with them. We didn't come into AA to make friends. I don't stay in AA to make friends. I'm in AA so that I can stay sober and help others to achieve sobriety. That's why I'm here. That's the exact reason why I'm here to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. I'm fulfilling that. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing tonight. That's why I'll be at my home group tomorrow night, because I want to stay sober and I want to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. We try to get that message across to the newcomer. AA is not to get sober. AA is to stay sober. The object in Alcoholics Anonymous is to stay sober one day at a time for the rest of our lives. If we're alcoholic, we're never going to get over being alcoholic. We're never going to get cured of alcoholism. And so we have to take care of it on a daily basis. Just like if we had diabetes, we'd have to take care of that on a daily basis. So we take care of our alcoholism on a daily basis, just one day at a time. Um... I try to let them know that I understand that they didn't come to Alcoholics Anonymous to find God or to seek God. I try to let them understand that if they work the 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous, they will come to understand in a, a power greater than themselves, which they can call anything that they want to call, and they will develop that relationship by simply working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And they can call that higher power anything that they want to call it. I really don't care. It doesn't bother me in the least. At first, I suggest that they call that higher power dick. And the reason why I suggest that is I don't know whether you ever thought about this or not, but at 2 o'clock in the morning, between 2 and 4 o'clock in the morning, which is the suicide time, when you're lying there stark, raving crazy in your bed and you can't go to sleep, and it's time for the rope or the river. If something is going to happen to me, I need desperately to have some kind of a higher power with skin on it to talk to me because I am lonely. I am lonely. And I'd much rather a person have a higher power with skin on it and be telling the truth than to claim that they have something else when in fact that they don't have anything. To claim that they have a relationship with some other higher power beyond that when in fact they have none. I would rather them be honest and to be simply honest. And I think it's very necessary that we come to understand that. I think we sponsor new people differently than we sponsor people who have been sober for six years. 
a brand new person we sponsor differently than a person that's been sober for six weeks. We expect a little something out of a person that's been sober for six weeks. We expect more out of someone who's been sober three months or six months or a year or two years or three years. We expect them more to be able to confine themselves to doing what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it and to take those actions that are necessary most of the time without being reminded to do so. I think that the new person is sponsored entirely different than a person who's been sober for some years. Uh, because again, if you're sponsoring someone who's been sober a number of years, you expect them to know the rudiments and to be able to follow that. Someone who's been sober uh, many years, uh, certainly they have established a pattern and a discipline uh, where they can feel more comfortable. Uh, and sponsorship at that point is a little different. It's not entirely different. There are times when my sponsor steps on my toes. There are times when I step on the toes of the guys that I sponsor who've been sober for some years. And I let them know that they're out of line. And what they're doing or saying is out of line. And I have no hesitancy in doing it at all. My sponsor does it to me, and he's been sober almost 30 years. And I would expect him to do that, and I would want him to do that, because I want to know when I'm getting out of line. I want to know when I'm not doing what I should be doing. <clears throat> I think sponsorship is a very personal thing. And I think that the way we sponsor is going to be different because we're different human beings. And I think that the way we sponsor one person is going to be slightly different than the way we sponsor another person because they're different human beings. Some of them take a very structured sponsorship. Call me at 10 a.m. on Thursday morning. I have one guy that does that. I asked him to do that eight months ago. He has never called me at 10 a.m. Never. He's called me at 10 of 10, 5 of 10, 7 minutes after 10, 10.30, 4.30 in the afternoon. He's never called at 10 a.m. Now, I don't know what that means about his life. I think it's probably kind of like that. I think it's probably kind of like that. As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet it is. I think it really varies because it must vary. I've been called a dictator sponsor, and I want you to know that there's no such thing as a dictator sponsor, uh, because there can't be. Just as soon as you start dictating something to somebody, you know what they do, end up doing? They say, screw you, turn around and walk away. You don't dictate to people in the first place, it doesn't work. You know, it simply doesn't work. But as long as they're taking the direction that you give them, and I am a directive sponsor, and I allow you, if I'm sponsoring you, to participate in your direction by taking the principled actions that we agree that you should do. I also suggest to the guys that I sponsor, if, if we are talking about something, and I suggest that you do this, and you agree to do that, then it's yours 100%. You don't go home to your wife and say, Well, my sponsor said I had a nanny. No, because I'll deny it. 
Listen, I didn't say any such of a thing. I didn't say any such of a thing. If you agree that it's principled, it's yours. And you can use it in any fashion you wish to. But you don't use me as a as a tool to justify your actions. I've had some people do that and they have justified some very strange actions which I would never suggest, for an example. And that's the reason why I won't be responsible. Once you walk out the door, it's yours, baby. If you buy it, it's yours. And no returns. There's no return policy. No guarantees. There is one guarantee in Alcoholics Anonymous. If you don't take a drink, you're going to stay sober. If you don't take that first drink, you're going to stay sober. I'll give you another guarantee. If you don't take that first drink and stay sober, and if you have a sponsor who cares, I think that you will learn to be comfortable with yourself as an eventuality. And you can learn to be comfortable under some of the most harebrained, horrible circumstances that you could ever put yourself in, and you probably will. I think it's interesting. I think the guys that I sponsor are very interesting. It's uh, added a lot to my life, sponsoring guys, because they they do some of the damnedest things. In the I really have to laugh at them, not because of what they do, but because what they do in the name of solution. You know, you know oh, this is my solution to this. Ha, punch your lights out. You know, that's that's a solution. You know, we don't laugh at them or their circumstances. We end up laughing at their solutions with the solutions that they seemingly take. I, uh... The messenger going by. I, uh, I want to thank Jerry for asking me uh, to talk tonight on sponsorship in the way I believe it should be uh, and the way I believe it is for the, me and for the guys that I sponsor. Uh, if you're sponsored by one of the fellows in the chain of sobriety somewhere that I sponsor, don't take it out on me. If your sponsor suggests you do something, you bought it. It ain't it ain't his. And, and damn it, don't bring it back and punch my lights out either. You know, just don't pick on me. I'm all right. <laughs> AA is great. AA is a great place to live. AA is the garbage can of the world. We collect all of the alcoholic garbage in the world. And what we have to do is to understand that when people recover, that every now and then they're going to do something that makes them smell like garbage. And we have to contend with that. And we have to allow them to do that. So allow them the dignity of being wrong. Allow them the dignity of being able to do that. We can't prevent people from doing wrong things. And we can never be surprised when someone does something wrong. What do you expect from an alcoholic? Well, I never take credit for a person's sobriety. And I don't take credit for them getting drunk either. But I'm very pleased and I'm very proud to sponsor the guys that I sponsor. And I'm also very pleased and very proud of the people that they sponsor. And I'm also very pleased and very proud of the people that they sponsor. And on and on and on. Because they're a great group of people. And I trust my life with them on a daily basis. And so far it's worked for almost 23 years.
I have bet my life that what I am doing and what you're doing is going to work. And it's worked for almost 23 years. I think I'll do it again tomorrow. Thank you. Very important.